Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Michael Jr. That is me. With me on this Memorial Day, Brandon Newman, as always. Brandon, what's going on, man? Nothing much, Mike. It's beautiful, hot in the Midwest. Um, ho- hoping everyone's having a, a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, my heart goes out to all the parents that don't have daycare today, like me. So, Ooh, man, you're uh, out here hurting, huh? It's just, you know, another full-time job. You know how I go. But, uh, but yeah, shout out to, I, I, I miss, shouts out to our teacher. Was it Teacher's Week? Recently, I just feel like you just got to shout out people. We, we, yeah, you got, I want to shout out you because in an endless stream of your wife texting me about things that are going on in your life, when you don't feel like texting them to me for some reason, I wanted to give you parenting props on this long weekend because I saw your son Carter pictured with some graders ice cream. You guys made the pilgrimage to the promised land and are raising that young man. Right. Not only was the privilege taken, it was one where uh, Michelle was like, "You know what? Stay home, get some sleep, uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take him out for ice cream. We'll be back. Uh, I expect him to eat the ice cream out, but you know, graders, you, you gotta buy it by the pint. You know what I mean? But she also went to my favorite pie kitchen and got me some banana pudding. So I was I'm living I'm living I'm living good, living great. Carter loves ice cream. Now he says it all the time, and I don't know when. We were very strict about him not having any sweets until his first birthday, and now it's just like all down hill. He like knows how to say cinnamon roll and. Oh. All kinds of shit. <laughs> he's he's evolved at an early age, and now there is no going yeah. back. That young yeah. man is ready for the cookout today. Oh, he is man. he is built ready for this moment here, and we hope that everyone has enjoyed their long weekend. Obviously. We hope you also take a moment during this process to remember what this day is all about, remembering the veterans, the men and women who have served this country and are no longer with us. That is really at the core of today. And so as you're out celebrating, having a day off work, having a chance to spend time with family and loved ones, certainly remember who this is all about in the process. We're excited to get to talk to you guys on this day and we know like we just mentioned that everyone's probably gearing up to spend time with their family spend time with the cookout and so we thought in the interest of that over the course of today we would kind of have our own cookout around here give you guys a little bit of a spark notes coming off a busy ass sports weekend and i know we always say that but like looking back on this weekend championship style events that we're talking about you had the monaco grand prix in formula one the indy 500 in indy car racing women's lacrosse national championship we got the men's coming up today you had big time moves so we're going to give you a little bit of a cheat sheet so you can walk into whatever function you're going to today 
armed with some knowledge about what went on this weekend. Maybe you didn't miss it. You know, maybe you missed some of it. Maybe you didn't get around to everything. We'll give you the little kernel so you can sound smart wherever you're getting ready to go. And thankfully, as with any cookout, we had a bunch of our friends come by. They just happened to be the ones that were covering a lot of these events over the course of the weekend. So excited to get to that. You'll hear from that group in just a couple of minutes. But Brandon, we'd be remiss if we didn't start with the maybe biggest news of the weekend for a lot of people. The NBA Finals now set after the Boston Celtics close out Game 7 on the road against the Miami Heat. They get a 100-96 win, and they had to sweat out every inch of that. Now, Brandon, I cannot take the victory lap for calling Celtics in 7 at the beginning of this series because I went back on my word and I went for Celtics in 6. I thought they were going to close it out, and instead the Heat rallied. So... They get it done in seven, but good Lord, Jimmy Butler tried to make them eat their words down to the very last second of that game. Yes, and Udonis Haslam, shout out to him. He said uh, he had words for Draymond Green. He said, thank you. It was fueled him to not them not getting knocked out in game six uh, back oh, yeah. in, we, in Boston. He said he broke the code. We have another instance of code violation in this oh, NBA man. playoffs. Ooh, everybody's code patrol. Um, but you said they had to fight for every inch. True, but with those uh, fast break points, and I, if you remember, Miami Heat was stuck, stuck at one for quite a bit of time in the first quarter. It was very reminiscent to uh, whatever game that was earlier in the series where they only scored one point. Uh, and it looked like Miami Heat was going home early. Uh, Kendrick Perkins tweeted, at least they buy the uh, the beach for vacation. Uh, so a lot of people were saying that this was just going to be a root, route, route, uh, route, route throughout the second, uh, uh, before halftime. Then Miami Heat going into halftime, I think it went on eight, no run. And Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo pretty much made it a game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, honestly, the story of this game for me, like obviously – All credit to the Celtics. I I believe according to ESPN Stats and Info, they're going to their 22nd finals appearance. They're 17-4, and and they're only your Los Angeles Lakers have more finals appearances with 32. But they're doing that. We'll have a lot to time to talk about Al Horford, who everyone seems so thrilled for, the veteran making his first trip to the NBA Finals, Ime Yudoka and what he's done turning this team around. I mean, midseason, this was a team that looked like it was getting close to cratering, and what they did the back half of the year to get to this point has been exemplary. But the story was their defense on that side for the Boston Celtics and Jimmy freaking Butler. Jimmy, who had you know had a bunch of hot and cold games this season, was obviously coming off a big one recently. To go out in this game and in the fashion he did, play every minute in this game, score thirty five points on thirteen or twenty four shooting, get to the line eleven times. He was the only consistent thing they could count on. Like Bam poured in twenty five, Bam was certainly out there, but right. this was once again Jimmy Butler reminding you that. As this series had gotten to a point where the Heat were beat up, Tyler Hero tried to play in the first half, didn't end up playing much in the second half. All of those nicks and bumps started to add up. Jimmy Butler went out and operated like a Spartan. It was come back with your shield or on it. And there seems to be a lot of honor and respect for that guy in both ways. He had that three-point pull-up that could have taken the lead for the Miami Heat 
with about under a minute left to play in that game. And he was coming down on a fast break. He had, I think, Al Horford in front of him. So a lot of people were thinking maybe he could push it towards the basket, make something happen. He pulls up for a three that ends up being a miss in the last gasping breath. I had zero problem with that decision at that point, Brandon. The only reason you were even remotely in that game was because of what Jimmy Butler had done for you effort-wise the whole way. And so if at that point he wanted to take that chance to go all or nothing with the chance for a win there, I can totally understand that, and I'm not really going to have a bad word to say about dude. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to criticize. It would be hard for, basically, we wouldn't expect Eric Spolstra to, to say anything to Jimmy Butler about taking that shot. Jeff Van Gundy on the call had a, had an issue with it, but uh, as Mark Davis said, no, Mark Davis, excuse me, Mark Jackson said, he's a hero if he makes that shot. Yep, he is an absolute hero if he hits that shot. At the hero that he's already been for the Miami Heat this entire postseason, and honestly, since he got there. But I, I do at that spot, you have to, you would have. I don't think it was a smart decision. I'll say oh, no, and it, def- I, and I think, it definitely wasn't the right, right basketball decision, for sure. Right, and I think that they showed, both teams showed a bunch of just questionable decisions, so much so that you can't help but think about how either team will fare against the Warriors. And I don't want to fast forward there too much because I do want to give flowers to Al Horford, like you said before. Uh, and also, and shout also out to, to who? Well, well, you talked about Jimmy Butler played 48 minutes. Jason Tatum played 46 the Eastern Conference Finals MVP. So I, I did I did I did want to Yeah, well and that was a so this is this is interesting because you're right in looking at the Celtics because the Miami Heat I think are going to get a ton of credit for making chicken salad out of chicken you know what by the end of that series. That was a really right. good team in the regular season and through most of this playoffs. That they just ran out of gas. You could see it this game, you could see them sputtering by the end of this as they fought with everything in them. We understand the metal that's made of that team. On the other side, ESPN Stats and Info, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart are the first trio with 20 points five and 5 assists each in a Game 7 since Magic Johnson, James Worthy, and Byron Scott did it in 1988's wow. Conference Finals. So it was a big-time performance from those guys. I thought down the stretch especially, Jason Tatum hit a bunch of tough shots. Jalen yeah. Brown and him both attacked the basket and got to the line at critical points. Marcus Smart, though, man, I, I, I tweeted it during the game. Like, Marcus Smart was out there going, it is Marcus Smart time. He never met a shot that he was going to pass up. And part of that was what the Heat did on defense. They were doubling Jason Tatum early in possessions. They were right. forcing them to swing the ball. And they were giving Marcus Smart wide-open shots that he was just bricking with the utmost authority down the stretch of that game. The only reason the Heat got back in that game was because they made their strategy, let's give Marcus Smart wide-open threes that he is not going to make. He, You're right. The confidence led him, but the ones he hit, it was almost like he didn't miss them. The, the, one, the ones he hit were early in the game, and all <laughs> the ones he missed are a reason that Jimmy Butler had the chance to take the lead with that three. Okay. Okay. Fair. 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 But I want to. Uh, I was what I was trying to do before talking about Al Horford, who played forty four minutes. He had fourteen rebounds this game. But not only that, well, I want to shout him because everybody's happy that he finally got to the finals. He set a record for most games played in the playoffs without making it to the finals for an NBA player. One hundred and forty one games. Wow. 
141 games. He finally breaks the streak. But you know, I think it, I think he'll hold on to that record for a while. I don't I don't really see I don't really see a lot, a lot of people uh, beating that. But I, I for a 35 year old player who was I don't say shipped out, but got booted at one point uh, away from the, the the Boston Celtics. Then to make his way back with this team and Jason Tatum to finally kind of be. I don't know. Like you said, I, I, it, it's something special that those three guys gave you 20 points because that, in that way you don't need a Jimmy Butler to go off for 40 and, and someone else to give you some uh, ancillary minutes and, and points. Yeah, this was and, – and, and it was. This was every bit of the fitting end of this series, though, because it was defined by the Celtics absolutely locking down a beaten-down Miami team on defense. And then tur- the offense was a rock fight. Like, Jalen Brown struggled to hold on to the ball in a bunch of key spots. They had some inexplicable drives and reckless throws up at the basket. Like, it was an ugly offensive series up and down. We all know that. And we knew part of that was going to be what Miami posed as a threat on defense, all that. But it, it was you, – you mentioned the Al Horford factor. Hearing the joy of all of the Celtics players – it felt like when we were freshmen, how you wanted to go out and win for the guys that were like your senior captains and win for right. the, you know, the guys that had been the older ones to take you under their wings. Like there seems to be a genuine affinity of the young players on this roster for Al Horford, knowing what his NBA career has been, knowing what you just mentioned about that distinction he had in the postseason, and now being able to get him over the hump for this opportunity in the NBA Finals. And and that stuff can matter in the way that you approach when you're stacking up bodies in Game 7s in these critical moments for a Celtics team that had A, also been here before. Jason Tatum's mm-hmm. got a great record in Game 7s. Jason Tatum and this young Celtics core went toe-to-toe with LeBron James years ago in that yep. Kyrie-less postseason where we all thought they kind of grew up a little bit and got mm-hmm. some of that shit about them. And so yeah. this was kind of a good thing to push it over the end line, and it genuinely seems like that Al Horford presence has been what he's always been. He's been a locker room guy. He's been a great leader in those situations. And I think that clearly has made an impact based on the way his teammates talk about him. Absolutely. And just to go back to Marcus Smart, because uh, in that, that old series against the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers, I, Mark, Marcus Smart got injured in one of those uh, series. But a lot of those threes that he was chucking up this game was the reason why they lost those games. So I think everyone has kind of elevated their game. And let's be real. Like you said, that coaching switch they made, Brad Stevenson going up to the booth, it's it's not to the booth, but <laughs> to the front office. To the office. front office, yeah. It, it's just been it, – it's clearly worked out. And I, everyone's kind of scratching their heads when it happened. But, listen, you, you don't you don't question the, the Celtics basketball moves. No, well, and, I mean, one of those big moves, I mean, you mentioned it. Ime Udoka, again, cannot give enough credit to what he's done for this Celtics team. We know what people were saying about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, myself included at one point, gas-bagging on the radio, wondering if it wasn't time to end this experiment that looked like it was bottoming out for a while. And then everything changed around that. So, all credit to Boston. They made it back. I I think this is going to be the better series now. What they can do, wing defender-wise, with Al Horford as a matchup Mm -hmm. for the kind of bigs Golden State's going to try it out. Makes it interesting. The opening line, according to DraftKings, for game one, the Warriors are three-and-a-half-point favorites. And I believe for the series, um, let me get the odds here. I think for the series, I saw Golden State opened at minus 140 
for the series against the Boston Celtics, which honestly, after this game and the way most of it looked, I thought it was going to be more severe than that. Based on the way Golden State mm. finished off the last series, seeing Clay Thompson show up big in Game 5, knowing what Steph had done, I'm surprised at this tight, and I think it's a respect for the level of defense the Boston Celtics played. I think early on, I'm leaning Warriors in 6. I think they're going to win this series. I think that was probably going to be the case against whoever came out of the East, but this Celtics defense deserves respect. They're going to have time now. The first game's not till Thursday of this week, so now's the time where everyone's got to ice up, get as healthy as you possibly can, and then get ready to roll out against the best shooting backcourt in NBA history. I, I, the, my big size based on the fact how, how badly I want to say Warriors in five. Because there's been some great NBA series that were wrapped up in five because the team was just that good. Shout out to the Detroit Pistons and what they did to those those Lakers back in the day. Um, but I don't know. I I, I they never look convinced. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm sorry the, for all the. the I'm, I'm sorry the, for all the no words. But I just I don't see the Celtics. Sending the Warriors home, scratching their head, like, okay, what adjustments do we have to make to, to beat these great Boston Celtics? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm with you just because of what we've seen of the offensive limitations for this Boston Celtics team. Like, Jason Tatum has been great in certain stretches, and he hit some nail shots down the stretch, and he was the MVP of this series. And we've seen, I mean, the row of teams that he's gone through in this NBA postseason. They beat Katie in the first round, Giannis in the second round, and now Jimmy Butler, who was playing at a level maybe even above what we've become accustomed to for Jimmy in this series. That is of note. We know that Steph is a different challenge based on the position he plays, based on the skill set that he has, and I think based on some of the depth that's shown up with this Warriors team with guys like Jordan Poole and the series he had, what Andrew Wiggins has started to grow into down the stretch of the postseason. I just think that's a team that right now feels healthier and is probably a little deeper in offense that can really hurt the Celtics team as great as they are defensively. Yeah, I did. they're just. I would. I'm be surprised. I hope. I wish the. I wish the Celtics well, but I think the Warriors is <laughs> going to add to their dynasty. So are you Warriors in five? Yeah, I go Warriors in five. All right. I think Clay Thompson without that last 35 point Clay Thompson game, maybe I stretch it out to to six. But I think the Warriors are ready, rested. You can't tell me that the wear and tear on, on the Boston Celtics is not going to show up once the Warriors start running without the ball. You know how Steph Curry moves without the ball in his hand? Yep. Almost as good as Rip Hamilton. So I think I think we're just, I, it's, I think they might put on a clinic. I think they might put on a clinic. But shouts out to them taking care of the Heat finally. But if they were a team that could really – like show up against the Warriors, that series would have been over already. Shout out to Jeff Van Gundy for battling through that game here. Oh, Mike yes. Breen was out. He was in the health and safety protocol, and we certainly wish him well. Mike Breen is one of my favorite voices in basketball. Uh, with the job he does is unbelievable. But Jeff Van Gundy, I, apparently it wasn't COVID because he was there at the game, but that man right. was out there hurting in a bad way, trying to go and make it happen. So... God love him for getting through that one. We felt his pain every step of the way, but 
he earns every bit of sleep or whatever drink he wanted to have last night after that game. So <laughs> that was uh, what we got from the Eastern Conference Finals. And it was incredible, but Brandon, it was one of many, many sporting events that we had over the course of this weekend. And so we want right. to get you caught up. We have our cookout coming through here on Gojo, which, by the way, for all of you that have been members of our cookout here, continue to download, subscribe, rate, and review wherever yes. you get your podcasts. We have been so appreciative a month into this of the support that we have received from some of the kind words in the reviews and all of that. So we'd appreciate if you keep pouring that in. It truly means a lot. But these are also some people that mean a lot to us and some events that we think you should know about coming off this weekend. So... Without further ado, let's invite our first guest into the cookout here. We've got Tari Kandamiri, lacrosse analyst at ESPN, co-host of Tari and Amari on ESPN, covering the game of women's lacrosse, who had their national championship yesterday between North Carolina and Boston College. This is Tari Kandamiri, also known as Official Lax Girl, and I'm here to give you a recap of this weekend's Division I Women's Lacrosse National Championship. It was truly the culmination of an unreal season in D1 women's lacs. The North Carolina squad cemented their legacy as one of the best teams to step on the field, winning a championship through pure will. To start us off, the four best teams took the field for Friday's semifinals. It all started with those semifinals, where North Carolina stunningly erased an eight-goal deficit against Northwestern and found their way to that championship game. Boston College, their opponent, had a late surge that pushed them past Maryland and brought them right back to face their ACC rival, North Carolina, in the championship. In a historical first, we got to watch the first ever women's lacrosse championship game to be played on ESPN, and of course, the opportunity to see the best offensive units square up. North Carolina went toe-to-toe -to -toe against a Boston College squad led by the fearlessness and firepower of Charlotte North. But North Carolina goalie Taylor Moreno stood tall in goal, making key saves that kept BC at bay and allowed UNC's attack, anchored by transfer Sam Geiersback, to really have a field day. It was a tight back-to-back -back matchup until an equalizer by Jamie Ortega propelled North Carolina forward, and as the clock winded down, the Tar Heel faithful rose to their feet, ready to celebrate. They of course capped off the game with Sweet Caroline and lots of confetti, as all good celebrations go. And Brandon, let me tell you, watching this game, it, it, what she pointed out, and thank you to Tari so much for that, it being on ESPN1 matters. The exposure for the women's game, getting that matters. But we talked to Anish Shroff about this. Heading into Champ Weekend, the best sell for the sport is always stars. And you could point to this championship game and saying, on that losing squad, who had been the defending champions in Boston College, Charlotte North is the best women's lacrosse player to ever pick up a stick. She is the all-time leading goal scorer in the NCAA. Stu Gotts, our friend, who is it's a like proud... That? Oh, I... I promise you, Brandon, what she does, short area quickness, getting around the goal, the things that she did out on that field were remarkable. This was a one-goal game with 14 seconds left. BC had a chance to tie this, but all credit goes to North Carolina for getting the win. But what a great game. It was a packed crowd in Baltimore where the champ weekend was on the women's side. You saw a full house there. It was standing room only, and it was a great showcase for the sport. I hope a lot of people got a chance to tune in because it was a real blast. Yeah, shout out to North Carolina. Undefeated. First undefeated national championship they've had since 2017, which doesn't, it seems like, 
That's not that long ago. It's one of those that feels like it's not that long ago, but then we start to look up and realize, like, oh, man, that was longer ago than I really want to give credit True. to. True. I was in my 20s back then. R.I.P. Yeah. What a time. Um, but I'm, I'm very, very happy, uh, not only for UNC, but for women's lacrosse in general. Shouts out to Satari for coming through and, and coming through the Memorial Day barbecue. And drop us some knowledge. Our first guest, getting us right there, the cha- national champion, North Carolina Tar Heels women's lacrosse team here. We got to get our next guest up in here, though, because we had some big racing going on this weekend. We had the Monaco Grand Prix in Formula One, which was incredible there. Tons of, do- of drama there. Checo gets the, fl- gets the uh, first place finish there after a... We know rough finish for the Spanish Grand Prix for him and some things that he disagreed with, but he goes out and gets that one in maybe the biggest spectacle in Formula One, but we had its American counterpart in IndyCar racing, its oval counterpart, going on at the Indy 500, the most storied track in racing. And Ryan McGee, our ESPN senior writer, is our second guest here, the co-host of Marty and McGee, who is in Indianapolis for this event, taking us behind the scenes. I've been going to this race, coming to this race almost 20, almost 20 times now. Uh, and I, I've learned that when you get to the middle of the race, go and everybody's like, oh, there's nothing happening. I'm like, wait until there's 10 laps to go. And that is exactly what happened. Scott Dixon has become the heartbreak kid. He won this race, but he won it a really long time ago and led almost half the laps in the race, 95 out of 200 and then had a pit road speeding penalty. And yes, you can get a speeding ticket at the Indy 500. If you go too fast on pit road, it's a safety thing. And every every big name contender kind of fell to the wayside. And then we had this massive shootout at the end and the winner was Marcus Erickson. And, and I know everyone now, it's cool to like Formula One, right? Well, Marcus Erickson was racing in Formula One uh, just a few years ago, just what, four years ago for, for kind of a mid-tier, low-tier team, Sauber, and came to IndyCar, had never raced on an oval before. He was a road course guy, like all those Formula One guys. And Marcus Erickson, who was terrified of ovals and didn't even understand what he was looking at, had never watched an oval race when he came over to race an IndyCar and had never won on an oval, had barely raced on an oval, just won the biggest race. And oh, by the way, it's an oval race. Yeah, it's a rectangle, but it's an oval race. And now he is the champion of the Naples 500 and huge cheer went up. My people over in Monaco, Huge cheer went up because he's so beloved and people believe he didn't get a fair shake in Formula One. And plus, he's just a good guy. So if you like good guys and you like handsome dudes and you like Swedes who like have chocolate sponsors, then, you know, Marcus Erickson, he's, he should be your guy because he just won the greatest spectacle in racing. So there we go. Congrats to Marcus Erickson. Congrats to Sergio Perez winning in the Formula One side, but his former Formula One counterpart got the win here. Tons of drama down the stretch. You had a red flag with about four laps to go. Bunched everyone up. Thought there might be some passing, but Erickson managed to hold on. And he mentioned Husky Chocolate, the Stockholm-based chocolate company, is a proud sponsor. They would not let him bring over chocolate milk. They are very particular about that being either whole skim, some variant of the normal white colored milk in that jug at all the end of this. But there was probably chocolate on his mind and in his heart at that moment. Yeah. I mean, it, it fueled us, it fueled him those 500 miles. So, uh, shouts out to him and we love it. We love a Swede. I don't know if you are, no, no, any, no, anybody, anybody from the, the, the Swedish, of Swedish, of Swedish descent, 
But uh, shout out to Kirsten Johnson and the whole uh, Johnson clan, uh, one of our friends from Notre Dame. I got immersed into the sweetest culture, uh, staying staying over their, their crib when I was living in L.A. Uh, for the first time back in 2016. So shout out to the Swedes. Y'all are great people. I, it, sa- it sounds like this dude's a great dude, too. Yeah, like I say, it sounds like people were genu- genuinely enjoy this. We mentioned what a massive spectacle it was. We talked about in the pod last week just how many other major stadiums and landmarks you can fit inside the Indy 500 track. It is insane to behold on TV. And judging by everything Ryan said, it was equally as big a spectacle to behold in person there. We have another spectacle in sports coming up today, however, because for the counterpart we talked about in women's college lacrosse, we have the men's college lacrosse national championship coming up today, Maryland facing off against Cornell, and Paul Carcaterra, ESPN lacrosse analyst, is going to be on the call on the sidelines for the coverage of this national title, stop by our barbecue to give us a preview of the game. Well, for starters, Golic Jr., man, Memorial Day... Monday is the national championship in men's lacrosse and I'm glad you're going to be around because you are a staple and I love seeing your face I love seeing your family when it comes to crowning a national champion in the sport of lacrosse this year it's super interesting I mean we have Maryland at an all-time trajectory they can run the table and be undefeated uh, from February through May The last team to do that was Virginia in 2006, but this Maryland team is just totally different. And I say that because they have great players, but I don't know if they have the generational type talent type players. And I think that's their secret sauce because they share the ball so well. Everyone gets touches. You can't key in on one player as much as Logan Musnaskis might be a a Torton Trophy front runner, which is given to the best player in college lacrosse. I think he almost is going to win that award for his team. And they lead the nation in assists per game, meaning that everyone's touching the ball, everyone's sharing the ball, and I don't see a weakness. They have a goalie who's been lights out. He's statistically the best goalie in the tournament. They have the number one face-off man in the country in Luke Weirman, and he's a first-team All-American. Their defense is locked down. It's a vacuum-sealed type unit that I just think is is incredible. They're playing Cornell. No one expected Cornell to be here. And the beauty of all this, there's a lot of stories within these two matchups or these two teams. Cornell and Maryland used to play for the national title a ton in the 1970s. They were the giants in the sport. Now it's 2022, and they're back at it playing for it all. John Tillman, who's the Maryland coach, he played at Cornell. The longtime coach at Cornell, Richie Moran, passed away about a month ago. He's a legend. He coached for 29 years. He won three national titles in the 1970s for Cornell. He went to Maryland. Jonathan Donville, who is Maryland's top midfielder, was a grad transfer from Cornell. So there's so many different storylines. Tillman is an incredible coach. I think he's going to go down as one of the all-time greats, but he's cut his teeth in Ithaca playing for coach Richie Moran. And I think he's got a lot of the values of that Cornell program. So I think this is going to be a David and Goliath type matchup. No one's expecting Cornell to play, but they have a hard hat mentality and they've always brought intensity. They fight for every single ground ball. So they're going to go down swinging. But if Maryland wins this game, I am going to consider them a top five team of all time. They have the potential to be the highest scoring team in the history of the sport. Now, the the rules have changed to allow more offense, but you can't negate the fact that this team 
is absolutely incredible. But if they don't win, well, they're going to be like the Patriots in 2007 when they lost to the Giants, right? You have to close the deal if you're Maryland if you want to be considered an all-time great, and I think they will. And Brandon, it, what he mentioned there is so true about this team. How great they are and what they've done, the undefeated season they're on the cusp of, comes the year after they lost. The Tawaraton, for anyone that's not aware, is the Heisman Trophy of college lacrosse. They had the winner last year in a guy by the name of Jared Bernhardt, who, as we talked to Anish Shroff last week, is in training camp with the Atlanta Falcons right now. He won the award for the best player in college lacrosse last year, came up short of a national championship, then went to Division II Ferris State, was an option quarterback and a part of a national championship run for them, and is now getting to try his hand at professional football. That is the caliber of freak athlete that they lost. And Anish mentioned it, and everyone I talked to being around Champ Weekend, multiple people mentioned it. That Ewing theory of when you have one guy who's so physically gifted, and your tendency is to just give him the ball and say you can get us out of trouble it might limit the other parts of your offense that can be great that's what's on the line for Maryland uh, for Cornell their head coach Connor Busick was a player at Cornell in 2015 he's like 28 years old his staff Jeez. is made up of like 27 and 26 year olds and they have been dynamite so far they were awesome in the semis this weekend but uh, I'm with Kark and I think Maryland gets this done and cements their place in history all of my lacrosse aces outside of you told me that if Maryland loses the championship, it will be the biggest upset in NCAA lax history. So, you, I'm, I'm, my money's on Goliath. Yeah, I'd say Goliath is a pretty safe bet. That is going to be an awesome one today. I am going to be front and center over at Pratt Whitley Field at Rensselaer. Taking this all in because, man, how often do I get Final Four and National Championship lacrosse in my own backyard? That was awesome. But we know this weekend, Brandon, is also a little bit bigger than sports in some ways. We get the first feelings of summer, and that means summer blockbusters. And my, oh my, Top Gun Maverick lived up to that billing. You went and seen it. I went and saw it in IMAX. Middle three-quarters of the way back, optimal sound in the theater the way you're supposed to see it. I was literally on the edge of my seat the entire time. But I can sit here and gush about it. We want to bring in another one of our friends and a much more qualified voice on this because Caroline Darney, who is a writer at For the Win for USA Today, is also a former, former naval flight officer, which is what the movie Top Gun is about. So she was in a lot of these similar situations understands this world very well and stopped by to help break down just how big Top Gun Maverick has already shown itself to be. If you somehow missed it, Top Gun Maverick screamed into theaters this week, giving us the need for speed all over again. The sequel to 1986's sweaty and bro-y masterpiece, Maverick once again returns Tom Cruise's Pete Maverick Mitchell to the cockpit. This time, he's tasked with teaching the best of the best Top Gun grads as they vie for a spot in a seemingly impossible mission. But no, not a mission impossible. To make things more complicated, one of those young pilots is Bradley Bradshaw, callsign Rooster, the son of Maverick's former best friend and wingman Goose. R.I.P. Goose. This movie hits the perfect blend of action, excitement, heart, and nostalgia, while somehow exceeding all the hype that has built for two years as the studio waited to release it during the pandemic. It's the perfect summer blockbuster and one that needs to be seen on the biggest possible screen. When you see it, keep in mind that all of the aviation sequences were actually flown in F-A-18s. 
and all of the actors had to undergo legit water survival, G-forces, and flight training to make it all happen. It will not disappoint. It co-stars John Hamm as a disapproving admiral, Miles Teller as the mustachioed rooster, Monica Barbaro as badass phoenix, Glenn Powell as the cocky bad boy, and more amazing performances than I have time to detail for you here. With over $150 million in box office dollars already, it's now Tom Cruise's highest grossing opening and the biggest Memorial Day weekend opener since 2007's Pirates of the Caribbean's At World End. Fun fact. Look, I'm biased as a former naval aviator myself, but this movie slaps and you should all go see it. Do some of that pilot shit, Mav. Caroline overstated nothing in that review of this movie. It slaps intergalactically. It was some of the most fun I've had in a movie in a while because Brandon... A summer blockbuster can really be a simple thing if you let it. This had so much, it was dripping with 80s nostalgia in the way it was shot, in the way it felt, because it understands in a real true blue summer blockbuster, you just have everyone be hot as hell, you have everything be loud as hell, mm. with tons of like military-grade awesome planes, wild action and scenarios, and then just let it all go full throttle. It was incredible. You have gratuitous shirtless sports scenes in all of this, hot makeout scenes with Tom Cruise and his love interest. It's all there in one heaping, big, hot, wet American helping. Sounds like you just described Independence Day. More so or less. I'm going to let that sit in. More okay. or less. Let that sit in. But, uh, spoiler alert Goose dies? What the, f- what the hell? Why, why, why am I just, this is some bullshit. I, I, I was expecting to be excited, not uh, dis, what's the word, what's the word I'm looking for? Disincentivized to watch it because there's a big spoiler in there. Goose's son is there and Goose not, not around no more. I wasn't alive in 86, but you know what? I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it Wait, you haven't own. seen the first no. Top Gun? No, I ain't seen the first Top Gun. All right, well, there we go. You know, we'll put a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. If somehow for the last 36 years you haven't gotten the original Top Gun out of the way, some things happen there that you might want to check in with Tom Cruise's uh, mate in the back of the plane in Goose. Maybe things don't go his way. Well, I'll I'll say this, though. My mother-in-law is coming into town. She's helping out with the babies because we're heading to our 10-year reunion this weekend. And you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe don't meet me and the wife. Maybe me and the wife go see Top Gun. I, I tell you what, like, and because I, I, I've had people ask, I think this movie is appropriate for kids. There's not a ton of gratuitous violence in this. There's not a ton of like over the top romantic scenes. There's a bunch of really fun times inside of a bar down near the beach, which always plays in my book. And I don't know, man. It was where people say they were on the edge of their seat, I literally a couple of times had to check myself naturally, just leaned all the way forward in my chair, holding my breath. That was the literal advice I got from a friend walking into the movie, which was remember to breathe. Stop. You sound like you sound like me watching Black Panther. <laughs> it, honestly, it, it, it really, like, this movie, whatever your expectations are, it will meet and exceed them. I walked in thinking this movie had to meet the world, and it gave me the world and the moon. So Top Gun Maverick, an absolute ass-kicker. Caroline Darney, an absolute legend for giving us some of her time. But Brandon, we are a show of tremendous girth. We are a show that Mm. appreciates what also becomes a part of this day, which is the tradition of the cookout. 
barbecue, whatever you call it, whatever you ascribe to, we're going to do some eating today. And to help us in that venture and to get you right some tips and tricks to make sure that you don't go out and fumble your respective bag at the barbecue, Andy Staples of the Andy Staples Show podcast and of The Athletic is a man who has traveled this country covering college football, covering college sports, and making sure along the way he documented eating his way through this country. He has put out the definitive guide to what is, I think, over 300 different restaurants across this great nation of many foods, of many styles. And he's cataloged them for the rest of us, for posterity and for science. And so Andy Staples joins us to lend some of his expertise on what you need to expect, how you need to conduct yourself heading into the cookout today. Mike has asked for a little Memorial Day advice, and I've just got a couple of pieces of wisdom to, to pass along. The first is something I've told people for years, and I just want to make sure you are using the proper nomenclature. If you are at an event, someone hands you a burger or a hot dog, you are not at a barbecue, you are at a cookout. Barbecue is a type of food. It is smoked meat. That's it. It is the a dead animal cooked low and slow on indirect heat. That's it. That's barbecue. Whatever you think barbecue is, that's not it. What I just said is it. So it is not an event you go to. It is not a synonym for a grill. I don't care what Merriam and Webster say. They're a bunch of damn Yankees who would know good barbecue if it bit them in the butt. Now, the only other piece of advice I would give is, guys, if you have not skipped leg day, and I know Mr. Mike Golick Jr. never skips leg day. If you haven't skipped leg day and you've spent years baking that beautiful cake inside your shorts, I don't want to see you in a bathing suit that's all baggy and hangs down to your knees. No, no. Skies out, thighs out. Let those things breathe. You worked hard on them. Show them off. Have a wonderful Memorial Day, and I hope everybody gets full, whether you're eating burgers, hot dogs, or actual barbecue. See, this is the beauty of us hearing this advice for the first time is I thought he was going to go one way, Brandon. He goes a complete other, and I couldn't agree more. Fellas, if you've been working on getting cakey for the summertime, this is when you show off that hard work. If you've had the hoodies and the sweatpants on in the gym all winter long trying to build that beautiful beefed up backside for this moment, now you shed that outer lining and you'll go ahead and show the world, hey, you know what? Hit them with a bend and snap when you drop the fork near the table mm. as you are loading up your plate. Make sure you draw that thing up nice and slow and remind everyone, I'm neither new to this. No, 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 I am not. I am true to this. Walking out yes. to the function, letting you all know exactly what I am packing on the back end. And it's also important to peek at it. You don't mm. have to look at it. But, you know, energy follows energy. Once you look at something, you ever you ever see somebody turn to look at something and you go look. So you gotta you gotta you gotta peek at it just so everybody knows what you're working with. Now this is coming from somebody who I'm probably two and a half years deep from having my underwear longer than my shorts on a regular basis. Like I, my thighs is out. I've I'm well, you gotta show off your assets and my legs have always been assets i've always have i've always gotten great compliments on my calves and my in my thighs um my ass is a little flat right now i need to get in back in the gym but i appreciate the advice i appreciate the uh encouragement thighs out baby thighs out 
I understand it puts you at a little bit of risk, but you got to think it's less fabric you can potentially get sauce on on this day. Mm. And Lord knows mm. if you're doing your play right, there should be a, sp- a your plate right. There should be a splash zone around there. It's going to be yes. messy business. That's what we all signed up for. That's why you're eating outside. That's why you're probably eating on a, on a styrofoam plate. All of this stuff matters in that moment. And spilling on your legs a lot easier than spilling on shorts. Yeah, they, they uh, shout out to picnic table legs. If you know what that mm. is, that's when you you're sitting at you sitting down, yep. just the chair, knees touching. That's your surface right there. That's your TV dinner tray. It's it is the greatest test of your metal because you can feel the inner and this again where leg day comes in handy because <laughs> the middle the inner thighs are going to start burning a little bit mm-hmm. and you don't want yes. your legs quaking as you're trying to pick up the remainder of the baked beans. Those stragglers are always tough to get towards the end of that if you don't mix it in with another binding agent like a carb or a starch. And so yes. now all of a sudden those legs are going to be quaking unless you have done the work up to this point, yes. people. That's the reminder. Yes. Do the work. It's like hydration. If you're thirsty on game day, you have already erred in your preparation. Amen. Amen to that. And also, I don't want to spend so much more time on this, but I'm a big plate to the mouth type of guy. So oh, I, I prefer yeah. not to be at a table or like standing as if like because I, I, I need it close. Like I need to, I need the scoops to oh, to yeah. get there. You want, I say, you want to minimize the distance there because we're trying yes. to get all the materials off our plate. And another thing on that end, since you brought it up, because I had this happen to me the last place I was at where barbecue was served. If you see someone with a full plate, we got to be aware as teammates at this at this cookout. If you mm-hmm. see someone with a full plate and they're walking, do not stop them and talk to them. There is plenty of time to talk. But when you see someone with a full plate, they are hungry. They have likely been waiting for this moment. They've likely been making sure they didn't eat all that much and fill up on nonsense this morning to get to this point where they can click into showtime. So if you see someone, be aware if they're walking towards the garbage with an empty plate, feel free to engage. Maybe let them go dump their stuff away first. But my God, if they have a full plate, let them go eat. You can talk about the new job you're on later. You could talk about what's going on with your kids and their macaroni paints later on. Let the people eat. Yes. And if you're an old lady at the table that this person is going to, don't talk to them. Let them eat. Because that's a, that's a problem, too. People trying to break into conversations. Nice to meet you when I got a, a, a rib at my lips. That's that's like up there with the people that when I'm on the airplane and you come in with the headphones on and oh, they like tap me. you to talk to you about something. I'm like, no, no, I there have you. sent you the universal sign for we're not doing this right now. And like you said, ribs all up in my face. Not the time I want to get to know you. I love you, Grandma. We will talk about this in a little bit. I just need a little bit of a business moment with me in the plate. I did meet Tom Mendoza like that on the airplane once, though. So... That is true. Sometimes, you know what? Like every once in a while, mix it up because the person next to you might actually be really important. Hi, Tom. We love you. Big fans. That is our crew that stopped by for the Gojo Podcast Barbecue. We appreciate all of our friends coming by to help us out. We're going to take a quick break, try and go wipe the stains off of our shirts, and get ready to close this thing out with this, that, and the third. Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? Join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA Finals? With the DraftKings Same Game Parlay, you can do just that. 
This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 same-game parlay and won over $5,000. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and then boom, you have a shot and even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code GOJO to make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code GOJO only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, before we send everyone on their merry way to go and expose their yams at the cookout... (laughs) It's time to get to this, that, and the third, Brandon. And yes. boy, oh boy, speaking of cake, this one <laughs> is a wild-ass headline. According to the Ooh. Daily Wire, a man dressed as an old woman reportedly smeared cake on the glass protecting Leonardo da Vinci's masterpiece, The Mona Lisa, at the Louvre in Paris on Sunday. According to reports, he donned the wig and posed as an elderly woman in a wheelchair before entering the museum. Once he neared the priceless work of art, he reportedly threw cake at the painting and attempted to smash the bulletproof glass that protects it from such an attack. Now, apparently, he had smeared this cake in an effort to raise awareness about the destruction of planet Earth. He ultimately smeared the cake, threw a bunch of rose petals everywhere before being tackled and escorted out by security. And... Brandon, you and I both saw this clip initially and then found out about the bulletproof glass and wondered what the hell this guy was actually thinking he was going to accomplish other than wasting perfectly good cake. You would say that because you love store-bought cake. I was just thinking that's a perfect place to put some whack-ass cake just rub it on Mona Lisa. But let me go back to this. For all the streakers, for all the different big sporting events, you're trying to get people's attention. This is how you get people's attention. Some Ocean's Eleven style, bait and switch, sneak in and and defile uh, cultural greatness. Because we it's all debatable of like how many people actually really care about Mona Lisa. There's plenty of people that went to see Mona Lisa and it was like, eh, whatever, she ain't even that cute. So I say, good on him. Whatever you could do to bring attention that the world is ending. <laughs> and if Mona Lisa got get caked, I'm here, I'm all here. For it. I love it. And he threw rose petals on the way out, got tackled, and, and got taken out. This is amazing. So what a, what a great thing to have happened. If this is the proof you need that the world is ending, I have questions about what you have been looking at before this. If this, okay. a weirdo dressed up as an old lady in a wheelchair at a hoity-toity museum, not actually affecting a painting, is the it's thing that the showed you... That the world might not be going down the best path right now, environmentally, morally, what we have been doing on it as people. Then again, I wonder where you've been, forget even the last year, forget even the last three or four years. The last, I mean, have you been to Earth? Have you been to Earth? And yet sometimes, some people need Mona Lisa to get a cake to the face to wake them up. And that's what happened. Listen, we're living in a world with Banksy is running shit, okay? Is, so I think I, I put this on the poll, Guillermo. <laughs> is Banksy running shit? <laughs> Banksy out here running shit. And so, so yeah, yeah. Mona Lisa getting caked in the face. Y'all lucky. Y'all lucky. That's all that happened to her. That's all I'm saying. And I'm not even. I'm not even a vigilante like that. I don't even approve 
of, of that type of defilement other than to wake people up to the corruptions of the world. Leonardo da Vinci, what else did you make? The Illuminati? We're going to get you. Wake up, sheeple. Don't bury your head in the cake. Let's get to that, Brandon. Um, somehow in the world of sports, this is also a headline. Right. Los Angeles Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald has signed with Kanye West Donda Sports. He announced this in the I Am Athlete podcast with Brandon Marshall, Adam Jones, and LaShawn McCoy, saying that it was an opportunity. My wife actually doing my marketing. You know she does a lot of my marketing. It was an opportunity that came to us, me and her, and it made sense. The family atmosphere they have at Donda Sports, my wife being a part of that, for me, it was a no-brainer. We got this plan that my wife's been talking about, getting things done, and it's about to come to fruition soon. Now, Donda Sports is a sports uh, sports uh, agency representing right now only Antonio Brown and Aaron Donald. Um, according to the statement of Donda Sports, it was founded with the vision of providing holistic support to athletes during and beyond their sports career. Donda Sports is a limitless organization centered on professional and wellness support in equal measure with the ambition to work with athletes across all genders, divisions, and sports. So, uh, Brandon, clearly, I mean, you know, Conde West, this brand named after his late mother, Donda West. Yes, yes. Obviously a guy who always has, you know, certainly as of late been wildly problematic in certain ways and struggled in a lot yep. of ways that people should, I think, rightly worry about, has in the best version of him been someone who has aspired to be more than just what people believed he could be. And it sounds like mm -hmm. that is at least the premise for what this agency is supposed to offer. And for a guy like Aaron Donald, who we know after the Super Bowl, there were all those rumors and reports out there that he may have been considering retirement, even though we heard him out with the run it back tour during their celebration, a guy who finally added the Super Bowl ring to what has been a Hall of Fame career already, this might at the very least be a sign that maybe he's going to look to start expanding the empire. It sounds like part of this is also an opportunity for his wife to continue to grow her career in marketing sure. and what she's been doing. And so at the very least, it's interesting. I think a lot of people are going to look at this and maybe look at what like Rock Nation has done. And what, you know, and what that sporting agency has been able to do and probably yeah. wrongly assume that that's success that it can replicate. Yeah, I mean, Jay-Z and company have been doing this for a very, very long time with a very, very long list of uh, clients. One of them being one of our uh, teammates and, and um, well, I was thinking Daniel, but Skylar Diggins and her husband, uh, Daniel Smith. But there's something about this that reminds me of the Hulu commercials. Right, like you see the thing, and then somebody says, "Oh, look, Aaron Donald signed with Donda Sports. I wonder how much they're paying him to do it." And then, like, Hulu's got a lot of sports. Like, I, I it guns. feels like <laughs> huh? the money guns. Yes, yes, money exactly, and it, it feels like it's just you know, as a new sports agency, uh, their first client being the Antonio Brown, who dabbles in music himself, uh, very. Uh, I wish he didn't. Um, we all. It do. seems like a, a big, a big twist that that brings them some reputability and some authenticity and uh, yeah. So I'm I'm glad. I'm happy. Shout out to Aaron Donald for for legitimizing Kanye West's uh, sports agency in this way. The only thing that I think people are really focused on is the seven time All Pro says that a cleat collab 
is on the way with, you would imagine, some Yeezy-style football cleats. That's going to be the interesting one. I think that's probably, and we've seen Yeezy cleats before on guys, I believe, right? I don't, I'll say this. Yes, but but Yeezys have gone through so many elevation at this point in time that, you know, they look like, you know, a lot of them are Superman shoes and they look a lot different. But I, I don't, I don't, I can't say I remember any Yeezy cleats. I'm sure there has been some out there, but I'm trying to think of what, maybe baseball. Like, I can't think of what. What sport? Because I don't think I've seen him in football. Oh no! You know what? I do. I did remember this right now. It was DeAndre Hopkins who was wearing the old Yeezy Turtle Dove cleats. One of the like oh, the okay. very original Yeezy seasons. So to your point, we yes. haven't seen a lot of updated iterations of that. We'd imagine what that's going to be. You know, something a lot of people are looking towards to also see what Aaron Donald's interest outside of sports may entail. To also go with that, because the one thing that you would look at in this and go, maybe they're potentially green at negotiating contracts, Antonio Brown, probably not going to present them that opportunity anytime soon. And Aaron right. Donald is on a contract right now. He is on, he signed a six-year extension back in, um, I can't find what year, but his contract is supposed to run through 2024. He'd become an unrestricted free agent in 2025. All that is to say, there's some time before anyone there is going to have to meaningfully put pen to paper. And when it comes to a player of Aaron Donald's caliber, that tends to be a lot easier negotiating process. We've seen some guys opt to go without an agent in certain spots because so much of this they believe can be done. So that'll be interesting to see if it comes to that point, what Aaron Donald does for a guy who, again, we heard right, you know, whether you know, believe the reports are not flirted with the idea of retirement. It, it'll just be curious because, like you said, his name being attached to this now does legitimize whatever this enterprise is going to be for Kanye West and company, and that now makes it worth seeing out. Yeah, and he's one of those guys that recruits by existing, so a lot of other people are, will look like, oh, maybe I need to get into down to sports, and I think what Kanye West wants is a lot of younger people to look into it. Uh, just off the Yeezys topic, and obviously the news has been terrible, uh, have you been, are you, when you were in Chicago, the Wiener Circle, are you familiar with oh, the, yeah. the Wiener Circle and their their marquee? Uh-huh. Uh, 13 hours ago, they posted, and this is th- their marquee at the point in time, Things harder to get than AR-15s. Insulin, Sudafed, Yeezys. The Wiener Circle has not been out here telling many lies, historically or I think in this current situation. So very strange that the Wiener Circle is a place that we may have to go for truth in 2022, but uh, we can spend more time on that on another day. But uh, Brandon, it's time that we bring this thing home and get to the third and... If you thought we were done having guests come to the cookout, you thought wrong. We told you that at the beginning of this podcast, at some point, everyone should take a moment and stop and acknowledge what today is actually about, remembering people that are no longer with us, the men and women of the armed services that made the ultimate sacrifice. And to help us out with exploring that, Brandon, this is uh, someone that I think you know pretty well. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll let him intro himself and we can talk on the other side of it. Lance Newman. United States Marine veteran. The true meaning of Memorial Day as I understand it. On this day, we stop to recognize all those who paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we may live freely 
here in the United States of America. You see, blood-soaked soil has become a common thread in the fight for all of us to live free from tyranny. Memorial Day honors the men and women who died while serving their country in the United States military. This day was called Decoration Day back in 1868. You see, folks got together to decorate all the graves of those who have passed on during the Civil War. To this day, people still gather around the world to decorate graves, remembering those who gave it all. In 1971, Congress established Memorial Day for the last Monday in May to be honored. Statistics tell us that the total number of Americans killed in all U.S. wars is more than 1.1 million service members. Also, let us not forget those who are dying daily by completed suicides who have served in war theaters. So let's not just think of Memorial Day as a day off or throwing something on the barbecue pit. We should be stopping and taking a few moments to think about all the lost souls. You see, we still live in a free country and it's because of those souls that we are free today. There are sons and daughters, husbands and wives who will never hug a loved one again. I don't know how many of us have seen Arlington Cemetery before or even your local veteran cemeteries, but there are countless graves. I look at these graves and I think about the children who didn't grow up with a parent because they went off to make sure that we were free. Memorial Day simply means remembering a person or an event. We have gotten away from why we celebrate this day. The shedding of the blood and the soul thing reminds me of this other guy over 2,000 years ago who did the same thing. Next year, pull your family together. Go to a local veterans organization and see how you can help. As we look around the country, our parade lines are getting shorter, our participation is fading, and volunteerism is pretty much gone away. There have not been more truer words than all gave some and some gave all. These words were said by Howard William Osterkamp in 1953. Remember, we can't remember them without you. So please get in the fight. Semper Fidelis, thank you. Simplify, my father, uh, a Marine, you never a former Marine. Uh, thank you to him, Lance G. Newman, for uh, shedding some light. He is a veteran who works with veterans professionally, uh, also coaches high school football down there in South Carolina. Shout out to the Crestwood Knights. But spends a lot of time helping veterans that need it. And this day, Memorial Day, is one that uh, is heavy on his heart and heavy on his mind, rightfully so, like most of the people who fought to, to keep us free. And um, as we tend to forget about our veterans, there are some people that uh, really struggle on some of these holidays, especially ones where we light off fireworks uh, with some PTSD. So I think it's important to just remember who and why we're doing it and why we're in it for. And obviously you take your day off, but just, uh, you know, Take, a, take an opportunity to be thankful for the things that we often take for granted. Absolutely. I, I thought that was really well said by your dad. And obviously, you know, thank you to him for his service. And like he pointed out, this is a day that is about the people that aren't here anymore and the people that did give all of that. And I, I think the work your dad 
is doing and what he talked about, the people who come back home and who survive everything they go through overseas protecting freedom and then succumb later on to all of the the damage that comes from that process, all of the demons that they have to fight when they return home and at times because of help they are not receiving when they get here. And I think that's something that as we always look for actionable ways to try and help out on this end, it's finding groups like your father and the people he is working with, finding charities that are helping veterans when they come home, get better acclimated, get the help that they need, whether that's mental health, physical health, or otherwise, to make sure that if people make their way back home, they get to stay and live a long, fruitful life here after the fact, after defending all of those freedoms. So uh, uh, certainly take that minute to remember that it is going to be a day where you're allowed to have fun you're allowed to be around your family and also enjoy those moments and make sure you don't take that for granted and all of it so uh uh that is you know what we've got for you here today we appreciate everyone as always who listens this long who does stock stop and take that moment today we appreciate you guys for sticking with us as always download subscribe rate and review wherever you get your podcast we really appreciate it have a safe memorial day celebrating with your family with your loved ones we'll talk to you tomorrow <laughs>